This spoiler-filled podcast is recorded live, unscripted, and intended for those over 18. Now prepare your ears for the audio stimulation they've been waiting for all day as we step into the spoiler room. And Scott, what about you, sir? What movie did you bring Okay, well, there's actually probably one that's more serious and everything and more epic that I love even more just because it's one of my favorites, but... I revisited this other movie, and I want to talk about it so much, and I think it's more timely and everything. So Okay, go for it. Pick, my pick is Josie and the Pussycats. Yay. <laughs> <laughs> and I want to give you a little bit of history in case anybody's rolling their eyes out there and hasn't seen the movie, because I, when this movie came out, I was one of you. They, they started marketing this movie. If you look at the trailer, it looks like the most cliched trite you've ever seen. And I was one of those really snooty, like, grrr, people uh, who said, man, they have to ruin everything. Fucking Hollywood, always out of good ideas. Man, fuck this movie. This movie bomb. This movie bomb. Good. It deserved a bomb. <sighs> that show was so awesome. Why'd they have to do that? And I was really pissed off about it. Flash forward <laughs> about six months later, it's on pay-per-view, and I have I got laid off from my job. I was uh, and I was um, and my apartment got sold. No one's lease got renewed, so I was stuck home with my folk at my folks' place. So I'm really bummed out. I pop on the pay-per-view, say, yeah, hell with it. I'll, I'll reimburse Dad the four bucks. <laughs> Bored. And, um, this movie comes on and blows my mind and <laughs> shames me for thinking the way I did because I was suckered in by the advertising. Joseph, mm-hmm. the, here's the plot of Josie and the Pussycats, the movie. It starts out... With a boy band, a really crappy boy band that has got all the teenage girls screaming. The boy band is incidentally made up of uncredited people that you recognize, like Breckenmeyer, Seth Green, Donald Faison, and uh, I think Alexander Jordan is the other one I want to say his name is. Uh, and they're singing a song called Backdoor Lover. <laughs> <laughs> and they're called Du Jour. And, and they're like the big... Pop, pop thing, flavor of the minute, you know, and all of them, they get on the plane, they start compl- they start telling their uh, manager, Wyatt, played by Alan Cumming, that, hey, we just heard this weird thing on our music. And right away, Alan Cumming kind of smiles, goes into the cockpit, says to the pilot, take the Chevy to the levee, which is the code, <laughs> musical code for crash the plane. <laughs> the day the music died, and yeah. and they and so they they kill this band off, and they said we need a new band because Wyatt and his uh and his per- and his superior Fiona is involved with the government in a decades long insidious plot to to implant subliminal messaging into all popular forms of entertainment, especially pop and rock music, in order to get 18 to 24-year-olds to jump on meaningless trends and spend their money to better to better feed the capitalist regime. Holy crap! Then you meet Josie and the Pussycats. <laughs> <laughs> who 
who are the who are this you know struggling rock band? They're not you know really trying to be like a big pop sensation. They're gigging. They're doing what they do. They practice. They write their songs. They play their own instruments, and they're gigging. They're going to any crappy place that'll have them, which is often a bowling alley or often a lane in a bowling alley. <laughs> they Wyatt sees them, knowing he needs a quick replacement. Without ever hearing their music, he offers them a contract with Mega Records, the biggest company in the world, and we're going to make you the number one stars in the world. And they do within about a week. <laughs> Everybody's talking about Josie and the Pussycats even before they hear the music, and once they hear the music, they are even more into it. And the band starts to split apart, and you actually get every single beat that you would get in every cliched movie about this. The band starts to fight with each other. Josie starts to take a little bit too much prominence. They start to wonder if they mean as much. They start to say, we need to stick together. Will fame change us? Will, that, will the cutest guy, uh, cutest guy like me? All those beats, you get it. But you also get it at this absolutely wonderful, subversive comedy about trends and commercialism and everything. And the movie winds up being this fun, high-spirited adventure comedy that is just hilarious from beginning to end with endearing characters. And yet it's also about... It is a brutal satire on exactly the uh, audience that you would expect it to play into. The reason I brought this movie, thought this movie would be timely is that we are recording this episode in August of 2015. I think it is next month in September when we're supposed to get the Gem and the Holograms movie. Uh, <laughs> if you've seen the trailer, and I'm trying not to be as, as, as knee-jerk in my judgment as I was at the Josie and the Pussycats trailer. However, if you've seen the trailer for the Gem and the Holograms movie, it, it looks like Ah! Josie and the Pussycats, yeah. except done without any of the comedy, any of the satire, or any of the irony. Mm -hmm. you know, and, it and her dad is a robot. I, I, <laughs> no, I don't even think it is in this one, is it? Because well, I think well, they, we've seen it, we've seen a robot in the trailer for Gem and the Hologram. So there's a really? trailer okay, that well, has they, her dad as a robot, and I'm like, oh, you lost me. <laughs> actually, actually, that intrigues me more because it looked just so cliched. Well, I'm definitely and, going. And so I don't know if it's so I don't know if we're gonna get that again, but I remember seeing the first trailer for Gem and Think and not wanting to pass too much of a blanket judgment. I thought this is gonna be a really easy movie to make fun of. And I thought, wait, they already did. It was called Josie and the Pussycats and they made it fourteen years ago. Josie and the Pussycats is such the opposite movie of what you expect it to be. It is fun for all the reasons it presents itself to be, but it's also got all this other great stuff going on with it. And the music is incredible, I want to say. Uh, do you like 90s uh, alternative acts? I do. Kay Hanley of Letters to Cleo writes a lot of the music, also is the voice of Josie and the Pussycats. Uh, also, you've got uh, J on the songwriting team, Jane Weedlin uh, of the Go-Go's, one of the greatest bands ever. Anna Waronker of That Dog. Adam Duras of Counting Crows. Adam Schlesinger of Ivy and Fountains of Wayne. Anna Broadway winner. Dave Gibbs of Gigolo Aunts. Babyface, who produces the soundtrack <laughs> and has a hilarious cameo as the ousted member of the Captain and Tennille team, the Indian Chief. 
<laughs> this movie is hilarious and is completely the opposite of what you'd expect. It's really one of the most underappreciated films of the de- of the century so far, I think. Wow, excellent I argument. For I love this movie. You don't say. Oh, I'm just, uh, you know, and I was rewatching this the other night. I knew I wanted to talk about, like, oh, I love this movie. Yeah, that's what I should be doing. And I switched my movie and said, I want to talk about it. So I revisited this, like, just last night again, just to refresh mm-hmm. myself, saying, yeah, because I remember liking this. Man, I got even more excited because as soon as I was watching this again, I was just howling from beginning to end. It is such a funny movie. It is. The cast is so great. You got Rachel Lee Cook, uh, Rosario Dawson, and hey, let's just say say because you don't get to hear this a lot. Tara Reid is awesome in this movie. <laughs> <laughs> well, some people who who enjoy Sharknado thought she was all right. She's in that. great but as Melanie. She is great because she doesn't just play a ditz in this uh, movie. She plays yeah. a ditz, but a, but someone who's just naive and kind of just overly optimistic and everything. And the way she does it is it goes beyond just playing a dummy. It's a really and, good performance. And it is it is based off an animated TV show, correct? Yeah, based on the anime, uh, yes. kind of based on a comic book. So I did cheat. Right. But well, it was, but, it's it's kind, a, but there was an animated. It was an animated show as well. I, yeah, I it, was a, it, it was a Saturday morning cartoon, and because this movie bombed, we are missing out on the in what what would have been the inevitable sequel. Josie in outer space. Did. <laughs> Don, what about, about you? Your feelings on Josie and Pussycats? I think Scott said it all. I mean, it's a cute yeah. movie, and it's uh-huh. it's. I want to say it's ironic, mm-hmm. um, because of all the reasons Scott said it. It mm. promotes itself to be. They they become famous for the exact reasons that they're mocking, that they don't mm-hmm. want to be famous because. Yeah. Okay, that's just weird. What? Do you hear that? I don't hear that. Oh. Uh oh, it's unfriended. We've got a ghost, and it's haunting us, and it's the ghost of TV movies past. Is it the oh, wow. noise, man? Like, yeah, that was a weird noise. Yeah. I didn't hear anything. I I didn't either. So we so so far it's moving down the line. It's hit all <laughs> yeah. One, so one end. <laughs> Speaking of uh, Glenn, have you seen Josie and the Pussycats, Glenn? I have. Too weird. <laughs> Sorry about that. No, Carry on. <laughs> What'd you think of it? I will. I will concede some points that Scott makes. <laughs> um, I think in no way is this one of the most underrated films of the century. <laughs> I have oversold it there. I, I don't know if I would call it one of the more underrated movies of 2001. Um, I thought it was an average film. Uh, I think part of it is I think the satire I think was actually pretty good, but I think it kind of gets lost in the kind of just over its silliness of the film. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just despise Tara Reid. <laughs> so, I, I don't like her. I, I've never liked her. I have never really cared for her at all. But you have Parker Posey, who I adore. So, I mean, it, she could be in here for one second. That's enough to outweigh Tara Reid. So, Tara Reid <laughs> isn't, isn't my reason why I dislike this. Uh-huh. It's, or I, I dislike it. It's Again, it's kind of how I feel about Miami Vice. It's just... It's just... It's, it's a film. That's yeah. all I can... You know, it's, sure. it's not really... 
I I haven't gone back to rewatch this one because I don't really mm-hmm. feel a desire to. Sure. Um, and I was never really a huge Josie the Pussycats fan when I was a kid. Mm-hmm. And I caught it every now and again just by being a kid, and I was too lazy because you know we didn't have remote controls. Changing the channel meant I actually had to stand up, walk <laughs> away from my Tonka trucks, and change the channel, and that just wasn't happening. Yeah, and so, if you and if you had like GI Joe or Mask or something following it or or whatever show after it, Looney exactly. Tunes, you just left it on because you know it. Yeah. So <laughs> better things to do than change the channel. <laughs> and I, I remember when it came out, a friend of mine didn't like the fact because he didn't like all of the product placement, and I'm like. That is kind of the point of the movie. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I, I think a lot of people, I at least, I don't, I don't care for that much, but I at least understand what they were trying to do. Sure. I think a lot of people who didn't, who don't like this film, the whole concept of the film and the satire just went completely over their heads. Right. They were just expecting some something about a girl band, and they didn't quite get that, and they're just like, well, what's all this other, what's, what's I don't understand, because <laughs> audiences are stupid. Yes. Um, so. Yep. <laughs> and Andrew, have you seen Josie? I'm a huge fan of it as well. I uh, it's kind of like with Wayne's World and the uh, and the Brady Bunch movie. They're better than anybody had they had any right to be, and better than anybody uh, expected them to be. And uh, mm-hmm. I went to see it because I'm a fan of the people. The first movie they made was uh, called uh, Can't Hardly Wait, as one mm-hmm. of the best high school oh, yeah. movies ever. Mm-hmm. And so I was really excited about Josie and. Um, yeah, I loved it, and um, I I think actually my favorite scene is with Tara Reid. She's singing "If You're Happy and You Know It," but uh, she's <laughs> in the shower. And she keeps dropping this uh, this loofah thing or sponge that she's got. <laughs> yeah. uh, when she was at Days of the Dead, I brought my snare drum to have her sign. But uh, the loofah she was washing herself with was a stuffed French fries from McDonald's. It was yeah. awesome. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It, um, yeah, I, I mean, I, 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 I do think it's one of the most underrated movies of the the, the century. Definitely. Oh, thank uh, you. No, that's two for vindicating. I say that I, I say that because it, one is the, this, nobody's expecting it, and two. Um, it has a, a rewatchable quality, and it only gets more and more valid um, as time goes. You know, for every joke that people aren't going to get, like who Movie Phone was or things like that, um, there's just so much that's prophetic about. It. I do need to mention, as nobody said, Missy Pyle in the movie is hysterical as well. I really, really love her. And um, Parker Posey, of course, with the potato chip, puts one on a plate. <laughs> You'd say, oh god, just, yeah. <laughs> I, I I love the movie. I could go on, but I won't. I love it. Well, and while I respect your opinion, Andrew, why don't you leave the movie reviewing to the professionals? I should. You're. <laughs> okay, I I may have to go back and rewatch this. <laughs> oh, you guys are you guys are making solid arguments here. Uh, Cole, what about you? Josie and the Pussycats? Did you see it? Yeah, man, I I just watched it again in preparation mm-hmm. for the show. Um, it, it was colorful and it was fun. I I didn't get everything Scott got from it. Mm-hmm. Again, probably because my own selfishness, I was just so excited to be able to talk about Miami Vice. What? <laughs> <laughs> I'm the only person in the world who apparently sees that as a life-changing experience. Uh, but I, I enjoyed it, you know. Uh, again, I think, and I'm not, you know, pigeonholing Glenn in the statement. I'm just, I'm just saying, if you view, if you look at any person's personal life when you watch a movie, 
uh, you're gonna have a hard time. I mean, unless unless you're like Jared Fogle or something, just forget about it. You oh, know, I don't, I don't know a squat about Carrie's personal life. Oh, okay. Gotcha. I just I don't I don't like her as an actress. Oh, gotcha. <laughs> my, my misunderstanding. My I mean, misunderstanding. I, I've I've heard some things where she's not nice, but that's but that doesn't. She's really, 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 really weird. And the I only the only, the only actor I judge by their personal life is Tom Cruise. Gotcha. <laughs> well, just to go back to to Josie and the Pussycats, and uh, again, mm-hmm. Glenn, I wasn't trying to. I was just. Oh no, I know, I know, but I, I wanted to make sure. A lot, of, a lot of people. You know, do I think do there's that, a certain so. fuck Tara Reid thing out there that's totally mm-hmm. unjustified. There definitely yeah. is. A lot of like hot, glamorous, blonde actresses who've done much shittier movies who get much better street cred for whatever reason. Um, I think that she's okay. I think she's a good, decent actress. She did a movie which I believe is called The Harvest. It's a super independent movie. Um, just uh, Wikipedia Tara Reid and look at her, her filmography for 2012 or 2013. You're going to find a very unique, uh, independent, low-budget uh, horror movie in there that's really cool. Um, I like this movie. I think it's colorful and it's inventive. And uh, I like Rosario Dawson, obviously. As Scott mentioned, I'm a Alexander fan and also a Clerks 2 fan. Sure. Um, So I I think she's great. Uh, I just like the movie. I don't think it's, again, I didn't knock me out of my seat. uh, And I, I know next to nothing about the source material, but I would, I would recommend this to my teenage daughter if I had one for sure. Awesome. Uh, William, what about you? Have you seen Josie? No, not yet, but I've been meaning to watch it for a very long time. (laughs) <laughs> and even though these two movies are not related, I have seen Spice World. Uh-huh. Yep. So when I heard that there was a movie called Josie and the Pussycats, I had to look into it because I didn't know what it was at first. And then I said, oh, this is based off of an animated series. Maybe this would be good. Thank <laughs> you for bringing that up again because I had forgot about it. <laughs> I, you know what? I don't even like the Spice Girls, but I actually love Spice World. So. <laughs> and that's another podcast all awesome together. Movie. Spice yeah, Spice there you go, yeah. Andrew. You and I are hanging one of these days. <laughs> <laughs> Paul, uh, when it came out, man, I loved it. Paul, uh, did you see Josie? Do you want to wrap it up? Sure. Uh, I can say that it was the most profound movie in my life, and if I don't watch it at least five times every day, I turn into a sarcastic jerk. <laughs> wow! What the Whoa. hell? <laughs> seriously, wow. seriously, though, I was not impressed by the film. It's not, it's not the type of movie that I'm interested in. <laughs> Holy. Holy shit! Dude. Yeah, but 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 I do like to say good things about a movie that deserve it. It does, it does have some wonderful actors. I did remember liking parts of it. Wow. But I was, again, I was young. I was like, you know, I didn't get, I didn't get the premise of the film because at that time I was the casual viewer. I wasn't a critic type of person. So I wasn't watching it for the inside of it. I was just watching it for, oh, hey, you know, Cook, Dawson, and Reed are in here. Yay. (laughs) Wait, this isn't a porn. No, though, but I'm sure there was a parody made of it at some point. I'm sure there was. Sure. <laughs> there always is. Not, not, not directly based on the movie. No, no, no but <laughs> close enough. So, no, uh, yeah. Joseph, Joseph <laughs> the Pussycat. 
if you haven't heard it here, strong arguments for you to go watch it. I have to watch this one again. Uh, but definitely, uh, for some of these fine folks, it is the most underrated film of the century. Real, real, I, lo- I st- You know what? Screw that. I stand by that comment. For the previous century, it was Romy and Michelle's High School Reunion. This- that's this a great movie too. That's a great movie too. And you know, okay, I just want to say, Cole, real quick, because uh, yeah. you were mentioning Tara Reid's movie, and uh, you were said the Harvest. I'm trying to find it. Is it The Fields? Yes, The Fields. Okay. I'm okay, so yeah. sorry. No, no, I was seeing The Harvest. I didn't think Tara Reid was in that. No, because <laughs> well, there's a million movies called The Harvest and stuff. So I was actually looking up. No, The her Fields. Up. You gotta check that out. It is so creative. That's why I'm mentioning it. It's going on my list. Thank you. Thanks, brother. <laughs> Knock it out, man. So uh, we're going to get to Don's. Uh, <laughs> yes, we, I, Don is uh, outside of my choice if anyone cares, but we'll go to that one later, maybe if we have time. But I want to get Don's because Don's is an awesome one. Don, which one did you bring to the table today? I... I... I am still torn as to which one we should talk about. I know which one would be the better conversation. Follow your heart. Come on. So for the better conversation, I'm going to go ahead and go with Twilight's on the movie. Thank you. (laughs) Sorry. I think my other pick, I think, is more, will be, is important to talk about. But for Mm -hmm. the better conversation... Definitely Twilight's on the movie. Whichever one you want to talk about. And I think your other other pick, Don, I think we could talk for three episodes on. Exactly. (laughs) Exactly. Why why don't you uh, mention what your other pick was, uh, just so that folks know. Serenity. uh, Yes, we could have a whole... Podcast we could have a whole podcast serenity. just on that. Yes, we should. All right, I'm penciling it in, folks. Yes, <laughs> you've convinced the host and moderator here. Yes, yeah, okay, we will do a Serenity one this year, okay? Uh, <laughs> let's get to Twilight Zone the movie. Go, Don. Uh, why don't you tell us a little bit about this film? So uh, Twilight Zone the movie, made in the early 80s, uh, is... Um, an anthology film based on three um, epi- three classic episodes and one original story, and I'm um, don't remember which one the original story is. Sorry. Oh, that's okay. I think that's- I think it's Kick the Can, but I'm not sure. I think I think it is too. I think Kick the Can is, but uh, it is so basically that- four stories that we've got for yeah. this anthology, and directed by. Uh, four different directors. Yeah, uh, John Landis, Glenn Miller, George um, Miller. George Miller, yeah, Glenn Miller. Somebody Glenn completely Miller. different. <laughs> 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 I don't think Glenn. Man, I would love that if Glenn Miller got up there one and a two and what a lovely yeah. day. But wouldn't it be great uh, if he came back from the plane from the plane crash he disappeared in? Oh, yeah, the movie? No that would have been a total. What a Twilight Zone twist. Twilight's on the movie. <laughs> yes, George, See? George Miller, yeah. John Landis, Joe Dante, and, and Steven Spielberg. Dun, dun, yes. dun. And I'm pretty sure that's 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 what reinforces the idea that uh, that Kick the Can was an original, because that's the one that Steven Spielberg did. Yes, uh, and if you it, it was uh, oh no, Kick the Can was from the original series. Oh, was it? According to the trivia, yeah. I'm looking up to see if I can find the trivia. 
Well, Spielberg was going to do something different originally, and then due yep. to the, the tragedy on the first segment, he went yeah. with Titan as sort of a lighter alternative. You know? Yes, because this is the film that actually is cursed. If anyone follows anything in uh, a film dumb, this this film has a history of being cursed. But uh, oh, yeah. that's the behind-the-scenes stuff. In front of the screen, though, we got four really interesting stories, don't we, Don? We do indeed, and also an int- uh, wonderful. I love Dan Aykroyd. Mm-hmm. I, yeah. I absolutely adore him. Yeah. I love that the opening segment is is him and Albert uh, Brooks doing their thing, and and singing the uh, very fittingly singing the television theme songs. Yes, the television. Very theme very song. fitting. With uh, Albert did- Brooks, yeah. With yeah. Albert Brooks, and it, yep. it was this was kind of the before Meta was cool. It was a self-aware film. <laughs> exactly. So, so you have that introduction, which is great, and mm-hmm. then you have uh, your first segment, which is called Time Out, which is about uh, which uh, stars uh, Vic Morrow as. Uh, a racist, bigot, very unlikable fellow who gets a taste of his own prejudices um, as he experiences um, um, awfulness in in the form of uh, World War II, uh, Vietnam, the KKK, etc. Then uh, we go into Kick the Can, which that's my favorite of the segments. I may or may not have a soft spot for the elderly people in the universe. <laughs> but that's okay it because it's a, my job. it's a sweet it's a sweet story. It's it is. It's an adorable story about uh, finding your youth and and uh, holding on to it. Um, it's a good life. Is I don't know. That one is a weird one. <laughs> with the kid. I with the kid with the kid yeah. who. Who can wish anything. gets anything he w- wishes for? Mm-hmm. Um, and then uh, Nightmare on Twenty Thousand at Twenty Thousand Feet with uh, John Lithgow and uh, uh, taking up the role that Will Shatner played, yeah. which brilliantly done. And of course the epilogue, back yes. to Dan Aykroyd. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it, it's such a great anthology. I watched it literally just before the show, uh, that was the last one that I was able to sneak in. And I forgot how many people were in this, too. Now, I know most some of our listeners, you know, our younger listeners and that, but there are actually, you watch this, there are a lot of people in here. We mentioned Albert Brooks, Dan Aykroyd, you have uh, John Lithgow in here, who after this really got a lot of the really crazy guy roles, <laughs> I think because of because of his performance in here. But what's also great is they make mention of Burgess Meredith in that opening scene with Dan Aykroyd and Albert Brooks, and then Burgess is narrating the film. Yep. <laughs> How cool is that? Andrew, uh, Twilight Zone the movie, your, your thoughts on this film? I'm a huge Twilight Zone TV show fan. Like, me mm-hmm. and my dad watched it on all holidays. I just, I, I don't know. It's the greatest writing in TV, period. Mm-hmm. Um Except for Jackass, of course. Like, <laughs> of course. <laughs> uh, yeah, the movie, to me, I can't watch it without thinking about the accident. I know we're trying to dodge talking about that because it could be a whole conversation. But Right. Yeah, yeah. I got the book Hollywood Hex. Uh, I've also read the book Outrageous Behavior. 
I mean, it's impossible for me. Even watching Dirty Mary, Crazy Larry, where uh, Vic Mora uh, drives a helicopter at the end of that movie makes mm-hmm. me think about Twilight's of the movie. It's just, to me, one of the most disturbing stories in, in uh, Hollywood history. I do yeah. like that they... I do like that they remade three uh, old episodes. Um, that's really cool because it's it's neat to see um, you know like a, another director's take or an updated version of those because they're you know the old ones are in black and white and they picked mm-hmm. some really awesome ones and I like, love what they did with them. Special effects are incredible, particularly in Dante's. There's just a laundry list of memorable imagery from that one. But yeah, the whole movie to me, um, it, I, I find it frightening and disturbing. Like not in a way that I think is wrong. It just, Mm -hmm. the whole thing just really, really shakes me up. Sure, because of the story and and the tragedy that occurred while they were filming. uh, Yeah, and there's just an 80s weirdness about it, you know. There is. It's got that kind of creepy vibe to it. And 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 it should, it should. It was, it's it's, uh, it's all, all and a great choice, by the Mm -hmm. way. As soon as I saw that, I was like, oh man, I can't (laughs) pick this one because I know what I'll talk about. Yeah. But, you know, still, it's, um, yeah, I, I won't sit and watch it. Sure. At times, but um, it's a fantastic movie. Yeah. William, uh, did you see Twilight Zone the movie? No, but if you remember, uh, like a few months back, I did finish the whole TV series, except for oh, yes. the, the. Didn't you say that they re-released it or something like that? They rebooted it. They they did a uh, for okay. a short time they redid it like they were doing a whole series of them where they redid the uh, outer limits and they brought back Twilight Zone for a while uh, as um uh, I forgot late nineties early aughts they um, brought it back like three times actually they brought it back yeah. first in the eighties and yeah. then like I actually like the, then they did it again like in the very tail end of the eighties or early nineties in a syndicated form. And then they brought it back. And actually, that 80s show is really well regarded as, yeah. you know, it's got great people, great directors, great writers. Um, and then, like, a few years ago, they tried to bring it back with Forrest Whitaker, mm-hmm. and that didn't quite work out. But uh, I didn't see any of those, so I can't comment on their quality. But uh, they brought it back, like, yeah, like, it's been, that thing's been on the air now, which you can see the original, like, four times. Mm-hmm. And, uh, Paul, what about you, sir? Twilight Zone, the movie. I liked it. I very much liked this film. Yeah, what was uh, one of your favorite segments in it? Honestly, it was the uh, the very the, the very last part where the the uh, the uh, ambulance driver Dan Aykroyd's like, <laughs> "Do you really do you really want to see something scary?" Yeah, just like <laughs> wow. And then he's like, "Ah, it just I love <laughs> Dan Aykroyd." Yeah, it just it leaves, leaves you know all the hairs in the back of your neck just stand up and. I mean, admit it. This, these are the type of movies that I like. So this, this fits. This fits me a lot. Yeah. And uh, Scott, what about you? Twilight Zone, the movie. This. I'm gonna tell you a little background about me, real quick, if you don't mind, because I actually have some interesting uh, connections to this. Um, okay. Not the movie itself, the TV show. All right. Uh, is that I remember I used to be, despite my love of horror now. When I was a kid, I was so scared of everything. And I had this overactive imagination. I was the type of person where if I saw something out of the corner of my eye, oh, my God, it's a monster. You know, I'm like that type of person, you know, where I everything would scare me. You couldn't even talk to me about something scary. So I remember that we would be going to my grandfather's lake. He had a cottage at the lake, Lake Cayuga in New York. It was one of the Finger Lakes. <laughs> and... 
they would they were always talking about the Twilight Zone when they were around there. I'm like, you gotta stop talking about the episodes. It's scaring me just hearing about the episodes. Like, don't tell me about Needle, please. Don't tell me about like this episode, you know? And they eventually told me, it's like, well, the reason we tell you, the reason we always seem to get on the subject of the Twilight Zone around here is because if you look at the old uh, Twilight Zone episodes, it's Cayuga Productions. Mm-hmm. He li- he lived there. My grandfather knew Rod Serling. Oh, <laughs> uh, not very well. I mean, they, sure. they weren't like they weren't like you know Bloody you know sure. buddies, yeah. but he would see him around town. They you were on good terms, and he was like this very you know quiet guy and everything like that. That was very well regarded and stuff. And it was one of the few thing few fictitious things that my dad could really latch on to because he doesn't really like a lot of storytelling and stuff. But he did like Twilight Zone, and eventually when I got old enough, I would really enjoy this stuff too. I still couldn't take Twilight Zone when I first saw it as a kid. There are two things from my childhood where that caused me the greatest scares ever. One was the movie The Shining. Yes. And another was the shot in Joe Dante's segment of this movie of his sis, the boy's sister, who doesn't talk much anymore. Oh, I know. Oh, yeah. And they yeah. switch to it, and this is, uh, it's played by, Cher- <laughs> incidentally, played by Cherry Curry, a uh, former lead singer of The Runaways. <laughs> uh, and uh, she has no mouth. I'm like, yeah. ah! That freaked me out so bad. I'm sorry if I pierced anybody's ears there, uh, but that freaked me out so bad. And uh, eventually, I, I had to watch revisit it years later. And so many of these segments have such great parts in it. Like if you asked me as a kid, I would have said Joe Dante's segment was my favorite because of the all the colorful stuff happening. He basically took the simple story of Bill Moomy wishing people into a cornfield that displeased him. And he added all like the things that kids would be into, like, no, you're going to have cartoon characters everywhere and this and that, <laughs> um, while the kid tried to make a perfect life. Um, and then he changed, the en- he changed the ending, and I think I like Joe Dante's ending better, actually. Yes. Um, uh-huh. the, um, uh, and th- then if you asked me as a teenager, I would have said the uh, George Miller segment, because Nightmare mm-hmm. on, on, at 20,000 Feet is such a great episode anyway. Uh, now, if you ask me, it's actually uh, Landis's segment that is unfortunately does taint the movie with the uh, Twilight Zone tragedy, uh, yes! which is just so such a such a such a horrible tragedy. But it has a meaning to it. It has, mm-hmm. and which is which is something that Serling used to like used to try to infuse in his show. He used to th- take things like um like the what was the episode the monsters are due on Maple Street, oh, where. Yeah. They have all the all the people that are. They think the monsters are coming, and so the so the townspeople turn against each other, and they fight against each other, and they and they're I think, and it's the monsters don't have to invade; they're just there watching them fight amongst each other because the threat is enough. I mean, that was the type of thing that he typed Serling used to try to infuse in the show, and I think that's the one segment of this movie that really infuses that deep. T- talks about those deep things we don't talk about as people, and this was our racism and our bigotry. You want to talk down to the black be- people that are sitting next to you at the restaurant? You try dealing with Jim Crow and the KKK. Yeah. You want to talk? You want to talk? You want to say that because some guy uh, cheated you on a deal? Well, he's a Jew and he's no good. Well, then you try dealing with the Holocaust, you know? You want to talk down to Asians, you try dealing with Vietnam, all these things. 
And I thought that that really had a lot of meaning to it. Every single segment of this has its own special something to me. But yeah. I think that, you know, and but I, uh, it's that first segment that really gets me today. Awesome. Uh, Paul, did we get your uh, favorite segment? Yes, it was the uh, Dan Aykroyd one. Ah, that's right, that's right. You said the Dan Aykroyd one, the short one at the end. <laughs> You're like, we kept it short. Uh, Glenn, what about you? Boy, picking a favorite... Um, just what you liked about the movie in general, because I'm, or did you like the movie? I should say, I shouldn't have. Oh, I, I love this movie. Uh-huh. I wore out this yeah, video. Yeah. Um, I recorded this off of I probably HBO or Showtime, one of those, when it aired there, and I wore out that tape. I watched it so much. Um, <laughs> of course, I also wore out uh, the tape recordings I had of the original Twilight Zone. Um, I mean, I've been a Twilight Zone fan since I was a, a really young kid, and uh, I, I'd probably say my favorite. Um, yeah, it's it's. Oh man, it's tough. Um, oh god, if I had a favorite, <laughs> just, I just I don't know. I mean, just I like, like the, the whole movie. movie. Just like the whole I, I movie. I love the general. whole movie. I actually yeah. love it. I mean, I I mean, man, you got Scatman Crothers. Oh, yeah, I love him. Man. I love him. Love yeah. Nice Ema, kick the can. <laughs> of course, I, I just I just love him because he was the voice of Hong Kong Fui. So yeah. <laughs> but um, it, but but that shows though. I mean, this film for the '80s, I think it holds up. Oh God, yes. Oh yes, it absolutely when, does. You know, for for an '80s film with the effects and everything, it holds up the way these stories are told. But then you look at the directors they got for it; uh, it, it explains a lot. <laughs> you know. <laughs> well, let's remember the original. Sh- now, these were all established directors in some form or another. Naturally, Spielberg was more established than the others because he had just he had made like the two or three biggest hits ever aside from Star Wars. Yeah. Uh, but you also had Joe Dante Joe Dante, he was new on the scene, and George Miller who was hot on the scene, and John Landis had been a, actually was established, but even as far as serious fair goes, really the only thing you have to go by is American Werewolf. Exactly. But, you know, the original show well, that's where Richard Donner got his start. I mean, that's where all these other great directors got their start. And then you go back to some of the writers, like Richard Matheson and stuff like that. There, I mean, Twilight and, and Outer Limits as well, but also Twilight was just this breeding ground of behind-the-scenes talent, <laughs> to say nothing about the actors in front of the camera. So I think that this movie, naturally the studio said we want actually established people, but, I mean, that's basically what this movie was doing. You know, George Miller was known as the guy who directed the first two Mad Max movies. That's it, pretty much. This showed that he, as great as those movies were, is like, yeah, I can also do this. Right. You know, I mean, and uh, then you had Joe Dante, uh, who did the, who was mainly known for uh, The Howling Gremlins at that point. Gremlins and The Howling. Yeah, well, I think the scene came before Gremlins, even. I think Gremlins. Oh, did you're right. I think Gremlins was the next year, and so like, and so Gremlins wasn't till later. And so it's like the Howling. Okay, like, well, he can also do this, you know. And it's like all it's it's basically all those things to say yes, I can, but this person can also do this. It's that breed. It's uh, reinforcing that breeding ground of talent from the TV show. I think. Yeah. Definitely, uh, uh, just a fun movie. Uh, Cole, what about you? With uh, 
Twilight Zone the movie. Did you have a special segment, or uh, did, I, I, did, did I you do, enjoy I the do, film? And I, I hope we get to hear your thoughts on your favorite uh, <laughs> television to movie conversion, Mark. Well, I know uh, we're, we're going a little long, but uh, no, uh, that, go ahead. Don't worry about okay, it. Okay, good. No, I just I would rather cut my segment out than not no, hear. Just just roll with it. Okay, cut. all right. <laughs> <Cut>. No, I, <laughs> I have a special story with this movie, uh, and I'll make it quick. Uh, the first time I saw it was when I was a young man. I was 19, fresh out of high school. I was a nanny with uh, free rent, which meant I got paid shit money, but my food and board was free because I was, you know, I was good with kids. I, I loved nice. kids and all that. Uh, so I would have people over into the basement, and we would just stay up all night watching uh, satellite TV, which was big at the time. I can't yes. remember what channel we were watching. But we came in in the middle of the third segment, Joe Dante's segment, okay, mm. which is uh, the whole, if you could manifest, if, if a kid could manifest cartoons, it would be a nightmare, Yeah, which is so brilliant. And I think that's what people miss about that segment, is if a kid could make his realities come true, you'd be in fucking hell. You would have, it would be the worst <laughs> nightmare imaginable. And uh, we watched that segment, and for some reason, whoever was broadcasting the segment played it again. The whole segment again. So we're sitting there, uh, and we watched that segment twice. And that segment is brilliant. I mean, it, it blows me away every time I watch it. And then the George Miller episode came on. And I love George Miller. As you guys know, I saw Mad Max Fury Road 17 times. <laughs> um, and... Uh, that just knocked me out of my seat. Of course, I didn't understand Dan Aykroyd's epilogue at the time. Mm -hmm. I went back and rewatched it. I was, you know, when I was older and uh, had, I had an actual career, you know, I went out and bought a DVD player. I have the, the movie. I watched it. And those first two segments, maybe it's just nostalgia, but those first two segments suck. <laughs> I think... I think that first segment is horrible. I understand the notion behind it, and I agree, because I grew up, I mean, my best friends, uh, well, I'm going to say I grew up around Aryans, people, I, you know, I grew up around people who were German, and uh, it was disturbing, you know, I have, I, I understand those people very much, I understand the mentality of racism, unfortunately, and that is, which is to say, they were raised in it. Right. They have no mental out because that is what they deem as being right, much in the way you deem anything else. Uh, you know, if you're raised in something, if you don't have an adult contemporary to tell you that's bullshit, <laughs> you're going to believe it's true. Um, and I, I dig that part of it. That being said, the segment was poorly done. Uh, John Landis, who has proved himself to be a good director before that and never once after that. <laughs> Unfortunately, I think you can look at Beverly Hills Cop 3 as perhaps uh, a terrible failure and oh. a lot of other stuff he did. Into the, <laughs> Night, Into the Night with Jeff Goldblum and Michelle Pfeiffer. I bought that just because I love Goldblum. Horrible movie. It's a mis That's a misfire. Yeah, that's a real misfire. It, 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 you know, I think... You know, I don't know what happened to Landis, but it seems like that, that segment is weak. I think uh, Spielberg's segment is weak. Uh, I'm a Spielberg fan. Uh, I love everything he's ever done aside from that segment. I think it's 
super weak. I I recommend, and you can go and uh, read Roger Ebert's review for this movie. He rates the segment segment by segment instead mm-hmm. of giving the whole movie one rating. And I think if you watch the last two segments, you're in for a good time, brother. Mm-hmm. I really do. I think the last two segments of this movie are pitch perfect. I think the first two segments are fucking horrible. Um, <laughs> okay. Corin, I could give this movie four stars or one star. Uh-huh. I, I don't know what to say other than I hope, you know, I hope people can judge it uh, for the last two segments, which are absolutely brilliant. Especially, I'm a huge Joe Dante fan. Love Gremlins. Love Gremlins. Um, <laughs> I think that... Uh, his segment especially, which is if a kid could have his way, your life would be a nightmare. Yeah. I think that's genius. Mm-hmm. Genius. And, uh, Don, I didn't actually get your uh, favorite segment. Did you have a favorite segment, or did you just enjoy the film overall? I... If you had to pick first, one? Or... For, first first and foremost, Dan Aykroyd. Um, sure. But I have a very very big soft spot for the second segment, uh, the mm-hmm. one with Scatman Crothers. Um, again, largely because I am my freaking job. Um, <laughs> sure. um, so I just have a soft spot for that. I, I do agree with Cole that it is a weaker segment. It is not nearly as it is It is much more feel good mm-hmm. than a Twilight Zone. I didn't mean to run it be. Huh? I'm sorry, sister. I really didn't mean to run it into the ground. No, that's fine. You're right. It's it's not as creepy or traumatic as the Twilight Zone episodes should be, and and I get that, and and I have no problem with that. Um, But yeah, it's a sweet story. If you look at it the way it's directed versus the others, I can see Cole's point too. I love the movie as a whole as well, Don. But I do but see I have, Cole's point. That's, that's my that's my soft spot. Mm-hmm. But as far as the favorite segment, it it would be the the first the very first introduction, and then the very end with Dan Aykroyd. The, the epilogues, yes. Yes. <laughs> uh, anyway. I think the I think the segment second segment, even though I would say that of the four, personally speaking, I thought, yeah, maybe that one's the least profound. Well, not least profound. Actually, it is pretty profound, but least kind of impactful for me. I still enjoy it. Well, because I love the actors, including Scatman Mm -hmm. Cronus, who's just awesome. Also, I think it was important to have in there because, yeah, Twilight Zone is known for all these creepy stories, but they also did have these kind of sweet stories about life lessons and hope Mm -hmm. and stuff. Yeah, yeah. And without that, I think that that aspect that very important aspect I think would have been missing from the movie without it. So well right on man. That's a good point. Well considering Spielberg directed that, let me put this out. Would we have had amazing stories had Spielberg not directed this segment in Twilight Zone? Because not not two years later, my mind. (laughs) Two (laughs) years later, not two years later, we got amazing stories, which is amazing, folks. If you haven't seen that series from Spielberg, it was they had stories that were. Uh, dark, but they also had feel-good stories just like Segment 2 in Twilight Zone, the movie. That was 
that felt so much like it was an amazing stories uh, uh, st- story. I never uh, made that con- made that uh, connection, but you're absolutely right. <laughs> That's really good. <laughs> Paul, what do you think? You, th- you think uh, it might have been a precursor for Spielberg to do amazing stories? I definitely do. I was. I was right with you on that one. Yeah, you know, and I I loved Amazing Stories when it came out. I mean, I that there were very few shows, you know, in prime time, but I made sure I was watching Amazing Stories. And Segment Two, just if you watch Amazing Stories and you watch Segment Two, you're like, oh wow, Spielberg was dry, test driving. I think his, this idea uh, for an anthology series. And Joe Dante did a couple episodes of that show. Too. And Joe jo yeah. Dante, yes. Yeah. He had Joe Dante back for it. So, you know, who knows? Uh, there are just so many people in here. John Larroquette, for those of you who are Simpsons fans, uh, Nancy Cartwright is in this, in front of the screen, as <laughs> one of the people in Joe Dante's segment. You have, I've met her. <laughs> there are so many people where if you grew up in the 80s, you will go, oh, it, it's him, it's him, it's, it's her, it's, wow. Uh, you know, this was an ensemble movie before, again, ensemble movies were really cool, and it wasn't promoted quite as such either when it came out. So the fact you had all these people either in minor roles or major roles, this film was pretty big, and not just for the controversy behind it, which uh, it gone down in the annals of movie history as being very tragic and, and one of the more darker things to ever happen on a Hollywood set. So... A great pick, Don. Uh, that's why I kind of wanted to leave yours to last with Twilight Zone, the movie, because I knew I figured people would have stuff to say about it. And after that's just watch, oh, go that's ahead. why I didn't think I needed to say too much because I knew everybody would have <laughs> stuff to say. And uh, the f- I, I just watching it before the show, it, it does hold up, folks. This is a film, even with Joe Dante's segment with the extra special effects, it holds up. Yeah, uh, yeah, for for being a film that is 32 years old, it definitely holds up. Uh, and I know we're going late. Uh, I do have a pick real quick. I will just throw it out there. I, well, I have many, but the one that stands out for me, and I actually did a review, uh, not a review of it, but I did show a trailer in it in the very first final cut I did. It was uh, the Brady Bunch movie. Yay. And... The reason I picked the Brady Bunch movie, I know it's a surprise for people, mm-hmm. and it is a, and I'm going to tell you why it's a surprise to you, because it's a surprise to me. When I saw the trailer for this, I wasn't quite sure about the movie. I'm like, yeah, okay, you know, whatever. But then when I sat down and watched it and saw that what the way they approached it was interesting, because it wasn't a retelling or they weren't trying to reinvent the Bradys. It was just. What if the Bradys were in today? They were the way they were then, but they're in today's society. And I, that, I loved that idea that the, the innocence of their show, you know, uh, how innocent it, and, and very, not say shallow, but you know what I mean. It, w- it was very light. It was yeah, very squeaky light, clean. Squeaky clean. It was very squeaky clean. It was very uplifting it was one of those you know after school special type of things and then they put it in modern day which is nothing like the world that they lived in in their house i just loved that opposites that they had you know and it was great because of the way the world accepted the characters too like you get the one scene that was in the trailer that is 
I find quite hilarious is the guy coming up going, this is a carjacking. And he goes, well, yes, this is a car, but I'm not Jack. My name's Greg. And I'm just like sitting there, and the, guy, the look at the guy's face as they drive away, he's like, what? He goes, did did that just happen? You know, and the fact that they they replicated the house, I think it was the original set where they they tried to replicate the original set as best they could because it's the actual house, you know, from the show. It's just in real world. (laughs) And seeing those innocent characters deal with the real world situation, plus them playing on the inside jokes like about a bathroom uh, the kind of sexual tension underneath between Marsha and 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 uh, and Greg, uh, you know that creepy factor, which was explored more in the sequel. I don't know. For me, I guess it's a soft spot. I don't know what do you guys think. Uh, Glenn, the Brady Bunch movie. Did you enjoy it at all? <laughs> I know a little bit. Take. I mean, uh, I I was never a huge Brady Bunch fan, mm-hmm. but. I was forced to watch it all the time because it was on during dinner, and my sister watched it. <laughs> she always get to have it on because I always got to. I dominated the TV for GI Joe and Transformers, so then she got the Brady Bunch. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, the movie as far as as far as kind of uh, you know, uh, I guess homage to the original series with you know some of the humor, it works well. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's not one that I'm going to go out of my way to watch again. Sure, sure. No, I, but uh, for 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 what it is, um, it's a fine movie, and I probably like it better than Josie and the Pussycats. But <laughs> <laughs> like I said, I have to revisit that one. So, but I'm not revisiting. I think what worked with it too, though, is the fact that uh, they got actors and actresses. They really got people that looked a lot like the original <laughs> the original characters, especially who they got to play Marsha. It was impressive, I thought. Uh, Don, what about you? Brady Bunch movie, any thoughts on it? I know it's an odd pick. You didn't expect it from me, but that's... No, I told you what picks I expected from you. Yeah, um, I know. I, I didn't mind it. I didn't mm-hmm. I didn't think it was awful. I, I enjoyed it. Um, but I... Like many other movies that have been uh, inspired by, based on TV shows that have turned into film, I thought that, I I feel that given the budget, uh, with the quality of actors, quality of direction, production uh, value in general, it it was a decent, solid movie that gave you exactly what you would expect and and brought in a return on on the money that mm-hmm. was was invested into the movie man i'm stuttering i'm sorry no that's um, <laughs> you've been playing the drinking game haven't you uh, maybe <laughs> i've been doing but it but it's it's still it's 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 a, it's a really good solid comedy that's based on a classic television show. Mm-hmm. And I do definitely, and I did definitely like the twist <laughs> and the more adult humor. Mm-hmm. Um, but I didn't find it exceptional. Sure. And uh, Cole, what about you? Brady Bunch movie? 
Yeah, I, I thought it was just fine, and I thought the television show was uh, just fine. I mean, you know, honestly, what am I going to say about the Brady? I, I can't run the Brady Bunch into the ground. <laughs> Uh, that's not my play. Ogre right kills the pretty much. And you sold your soul to the devil. The movie was fine. I never saw the second movie. Mm -hmm. uh, I, th I, you know, I thought it was just fine. It was a good translation. Mm -hmm. I, I don't know, man. I don't know what else to say. I, no, it's okay. fine. I can't, I can't say anything negative or positive about sure. it. I thought it was totally passable as a translation. I thought they did the best they could do. But mm -hmm. honestly, man, you know, it pushed into a corner. I couldn't even say who directed the movie. Betty Thomas. <laughs> I don't know who that is. <laughs> Betty Thomas also directed uh, private... I want to say she directed private parts. Did she? No, she didn't. <laughs> I... Uh... <laughs> I, the reason I the reason I had it right in front of me because I had because I had the, the IMDb listing right in front of me. I'm not she that good, guys. She got no, she had private parts. She had private parts. She had Doctor Doolittle. John uh, Tucker must die. She did that one. Uh, she did. Uh, she directed just, Hills, let's, let's, Hill Street Blues. She was just, actually an actress in front. Of let's the let's just talk about the good things she did. Um, <laughs> wow. so, so, so we'll leave Oosh. John Tucker. No, we'll leave John Tucker. Yeah, I know. No, that, I want to talk about Hill Street Blues. Come on, that's awesome. Oh, like okay. we're not going to talk about this, the album, the Squeakle. <laughs> <laughs> but like she did uh, 28 Days with Sandra Bullock, Doctor Doolittle, Private Part. Oh, she did 28 Days. Oh, okay. That yeah. brings it into focus. Not, okay. the, not the zombie movie, the the, the drunk. No, movie. I know, I know. <laughs> <laughs> that yeah. is the most wholesome rehab movie ever. <laughs> I know. It's I was going to say that someone to where it was miscast by a lot. Uh, <laughs> she, she also, you know what? She did a decent comedy with Andrew McCarthy and Helen Hunt called "Only You" that I think was overlooked, and uh, mm -hmm. she also did that uh, movie about the late the late shift, which. You know, unfortunate uh, makeup work aside is far more interesting than a movie about, well, what's going to happen to Jay Leno and David Letterman should ever be. You know, that was a very entertaining movie. Well, I was that yeah. the need for HBO one? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah, I saw that. That was. I hated that movie, but yep. okay. <laughs> so leave it to the host to pick the middle of the road mediocre. Well, TV, uh, I haven't seen. Movie. You know, I I I gotta tell you, Mark. I mean, I'm I, it's gonna it's gonna be the same thing with me that it was uh, when Cole brought up Miami Vice, where I said I didn't care for Miami Vice, but I saw the other version. I'm going now, like desperate to see the original version. Sure. I've not seen the original Brady Bunch movie, mainly because I was having the the. Uh, I can't believe they did this, uh, Hollywood, yeah. blah, blah, blah. But then I thought, like, wait, well, that's exactly what I said I thought about Josie and the Pussycats. So <laughs> mm -hmm. I'm going to watch – now I'm actually going to make it a mission to watch the Brady Bunch movie, see? I, I, and, and me personally, like I said, it was a soft spot because I didn't know what to expect going into it. I kind of always picked on the Brady Bunch film, but here were people that were just taking you know, that concept. I just thought the concept was interesting. I thought everybody did a decent performance of – of replicating that feel of the TV show, the actors and actresses playing the roles of Marsha Brady, Greg, you know, Jan, Peter, the modern, uh, more, well, at that time at 95, the modern actors and actresses actually really capturing the feel of the kids mm -hmm. of that family, you know, and just being totally oblivious 
to the real world, but not stupid. They weren't stupid. They were just innocent. You know, th there's a difference between dumb and innocent. Okay, uh, Vacation, I'm bringing it up. The Griswolds in Vacation were dumb. Okay, if they think they're going into a, a, a pool, a lake of, of human waste Ugh. and think it's a spa, they're dumb. Marsha Brady not picking up on the innuendo of the boy from high school who says that uh, he, he uh, you know, has protection. I, that's funny. Yeah, that's, <laughs> that's just naivete, you know? you know? You know, the fact that they're naive to what the real world is, but they aren't completely oblivious to the meaning, and, and it just takes them a while to realize it because they're innocent, not because they're dumb, you know? And, and that's what I like about it. And I think... Uh, everybody's picks tonight were fantastic and great, and uh, as you can see, film is subjective, and everybody has a different opinion. That's why I love film so much. Uh, William and Andrew did have to drop out a little early because we did go along. I appreciate them uh, coming on. Let's uh, wrap it up real quick, and we're just going to go down the line. And I want to thank first our listeners. We're growing all the time. Appreciate you listening to us ramble about these films. Uh, and uh, thank you so much. Make sure you go to the podcastland.com, I think it is, uh, where you can vote for us. You can vote for us there. Uh, make sure you check that out. And we're going to go down the line down like we always do, pimp some stuff out. And here where you can find these excellent people's uh, material when they're not here listening to me ramble. So, Cole, go ahead. Where can we find you? Um, you can find me on Shadows and Lovers Productions on Facebook, which is reinvigorated with a new movie right on the horizon. Probably the best movie I've ever made, my fifth flick, and I'm super stoked about it, but also just Cole Meredith on Facebook. Um, and uh, Horror Roar, where I do a little bit of original art. And uh, also here, <laughs> the spoiler room. This is... <laughs> This is where I am, and uh, I just want to thank Mark and Scott and Andrew and Don and Glenn and Paul and everybody else who talks movies with me because I don't get that. And in my normal, you know, what you'd call normal day-to-day -day life, uh, so I got nothing but respect for the people here, and even though our opinions vary, Thank you for letting me vent about Miami Vice. Which You're is welcome. <laughs> on my top ten films of all time. So thank you, Mark, and everyone here. Awesome. Yeah. And, awesome. Uh, you're welcome, Cole, and uh, we're glad to have you. And, Don, how about you? Where can we find all of your insights? You can find me at intheaudience.net. I am not a filmmaker. I have no experience with filmmaking. I am completely of the perspective of the fan. Hey, if you make something and it makes me feel something, I like it. <laughs> awesome. And Glenn, sir, how about you? If I'm in the B-movie bunker, use Google. It's your friend. <laughs> We're running long. I'm giving it short. Glenn does awesome reviews. If you haven't seen Glenn's review for Guardians of the Galaxy, you're missing out. Mm, yes. <laughs> and I still Sorry, love his Moon. and I still love his review of um, his his very hit, hit of movie forty three <laughs> because Glenn Glenn now you know guys know I talk a lot 
And Glenn, he can, he can, when he actually like lets loose and actually says something. I mean, when he says something, it's something amazing. But <laughs> he, but he can also say more in a sigh than I can say in a whole paragraph. <laughs> <laughs> so there you go. B-Movie Bunker for uh, Mr. Glenn Bittner, also Naked Hobo Productions. You Google that, you should find him. And yes, definitely check out his reviews. Paul, go ahead with you, sir. And for those of you that are playing the drinking game with me, show, 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 show. <laughs> when I'm not, when I'm not on this show, you can find me on Twitter, Facebook, and WordPress at Forsaken Film Reviews. Fantastic. And go ahead, Scott. You can find me at moviocrity.com. Haven't updated for a bit, but I'm, uh, I'll get to it. <laughs> Ideally speaking, that's where I write all my reviews and where all my uh, stuff where I'm on show, wonderful shows like this, uh, uh, that's where get, that gets posted. And uh, also, I'm really in the kind of early planning stages, but I'm anxious to get back into producing more episodes of my web series, Moviocrity, which you can catch at vimeo.com slash channels slash moviocrity. Yeah, they're on YouTube as well, but Vimeo has all of them. So, there. Awesome. And uh, you can find our past episodes for uh, the spoiler room as well as anything that you might be curious about my opinion on on specialmarkproductions.com. You can find links to everyone here in case uh, you didn't quite catch it. Uh, I hope you did, and I hope you do catch their stuff. And again, if you're interested in my stuff, specialmarkproductions.com, where we have our archived episodes. You can also check us on iTunes and Stitcher Radio. If you're wondering about the drinking game, go to our uh, specialmarkproductions.com slash uh, uh, the spoiler room. I'm going to do a write-up. Uh, we've come up with a uh, spoiled word, as it's called, and every time that word shows up in the podcast, you take a drink. I'm not going to say of what, and we do, uh, we are not going to be held responsible for any uh, fallout that happens from whatever you drink during our podcast during the spoiled word. <laughs> That'll do it for us here on the spoiler room. Thank you so much for listening, as always. Uh, we appreciate you rating and commenting on iTunes. Uh, You can email us at spoilerroom.s as in Sam, M as in Mary, P as in Paul, at gmail.com. So that's spoilerroom.smp at gmail.com. Give us feedback. Let us know if there's any movies you'd like us to hear us ramble about. Because here in the Spoiler Room, the conversation is fresh, but man, we spoil the movies. (laughs) 